Hey, one fans, Andy here. We're going to Cisco Live, and we can't wait to see you there. If we see you wearing an A1 or Cables to Cloud shirt at Cisco Live, we'll enter you in our giveaway that includes a bunch of cool prizes like an A1 branded Yeti cup and an OCG of your choice from our friends at Cisco Press. Don't have a shirt? No problem. Head to the link in our bio and grab yours today. See you soon. This is the Art of Network Engineering podcast. In this podcast, we'll explore tools, technologies, and talented people. We aim to bring you information to expand your skill sets and toolbox and share the stories of fellow network engineers. Welcome to the Art of Network Engineering podcast. My name is Andy Laptef, uh, known on the internet as Permit IP Andy Andy. And tonight, I am joined by my best buddy, AJ Mary. What's up, AJ? What's going on, Andy? How you doing, man? I am well. I am... I am good. I am studying every day. I am working out. I am not sleeping enough, so I need to work on that. But that's my one complaint. How you doing? What's going on? I'm right there with you on the sleep. <clears throat> um, but yeah, no, I, I'm getting my, my daily workouts in. Uh, it's I think it's time to crank it up a notch and uh, do a little bit more. We'll figure that out, though. I, I don't have like a home gym set up or anything like that. So uh, I think I might have to get a little bit creative there. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, doing well. Works good. Works busy. Um, doing some traveling next week. Uh, and and uh, if I'm being completely honest, I'm a little anxious about that. I was yeah. hoping to keep my feet on the ground during the pandemic, but uh, duty calls got to go. Uh, I know I'm safe. I know I'll do the right thing. Uh, so I, th- I think we'll be all right. But um, other than that, things are good, man. This is your first work trip, I guess, right? Since... COVID. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done like some local day trips here and there. Just like I've I've been able to stay in New England, you know, for for at least the times that I have had to travel. And then like it was it was like the summertime, and that's when the numbers were like really down. And and um, you know, we had like the the travel travel was like allowed or whatever. Like you know, basically Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine had this agreement. Like if you're coming from any one of these states, you were cool to like come and not quarantine. And it was so it was all good. It was all kosher. Um, but now, like, you know, as, as you're well aware, numbers are up all over the place. So, uh, you know, just a little on edge with that. But we'll, we'll take it one day at a time and wash your hands, wear the masks, and be safe. Yeah, yeah. Good, man. Well, good luck. I'm sure you'll uh, – when is that? You go in a couple of days next week, you said? Yeah, yeah. So uh, flying out Sunday and uh, coming home Thursday night. Okay, cool. Is is Mrs. No Blinky Blinky uh, up, <laughs> upset that you're leaving and – yeah, yeah. I, I mean, um, th- this will be the first time in in a long time where she's like a, a home alone with the kids, and so she's got to balance like you know getting the kids ready for their day, getting herself ready for her day, and so I think she's a little stressed out about it, but I, I know she'll be just fine. Yeah, my my wife's never been all too thrilled when I've had to the few times I've had to travel for work. She's like, "Really, dude? You're leaving me here with these <laughs> with these wild animals, right? You know? Right? Cool, man. Cool. So, um. I know we usually talk about any kind of wins we've had in our Discord server. Do we have any wins to announce this time? Yeah, right? yeah. Recently, um, I, I'm hoping I'm saying this right. Holy shtasks. <laughs> uh, they, they recently passed their JNCIA DevOps nice. exam. Uh, that's a fun exam. I did that one last summer. Mm. Uh, so congratulations to holy shtasks. <laughs> was that on, one of your on that win? Was that one of your five Junus? Juniper certs you got? Yeah, yeah. I did the JNCIA DevOps, the Junos, the 
uh, JNC DA, and then I also did the JNCIS DevOps and JNCIS uh, service provider. So JNCIA was the easiest, right? And, and I'm asking because I, I need to go for that soon. Yeah, I mean th- those are those are associate level exams, and I I wouldn't say it was easy, right? But it's it's associate level, and after coming from you know studying for a professional level exam, going back and studying for an associate level exam was felt not as difficult. <laughs> yeah, is it comparable to Cisco CCNA? Um, so I, I mean, I've taken the latest version of the Juno, so I can't speak for how it's ever been, but. Um, you know, Dan and I were, were talking about this a little bit last week on the show where the, the JNCIA Junos is is kind of like a sweet mix between the CCENT because there are some networking basics on there, but it's it's really more focused on the operating system, like really digging into Junos. So there isn't really an equivalent uh, exam on Cisco, right? Like they don't have like an exam on iOS XE or NXOS. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's really focused on the inner workings of, of the Junus operating system. Yeah, I had it years ago at the NOC because it was a multi-vendor shop there. And I remember mm-hmm. it being more difficult than I expected it to be. <laughs> and I mean, I got it at the time and it's expired since. But yeah, I, th- I thought, oh, this will be a breeze. I have my CCNA. I, I work on Junipers. It'll be fine. And I, yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, oh, glad I paid attention. Right. Right. Well, when you're ready, dude, like jump into uh, Juno's Genius because it, it's free. I, I'm sure they're still doing some sort of discount on the exam voucher and the content was great. Like the the practice exams they give you at the end of the course, they're, they're a lot like the actual exam. So like it really is preparing you to take the actual exam. So I didn't expect to talk about this tonight and this isn't our topic, but <laughs> to, to wrap, <laughs> so to wrap this up, so I, I had planned to use Juno's Genius because everybody loves it and you take that yeah. practice thing at the end and you get a good voucher discount yep. and all that. I've recently been given the, I don't know what Juniper calls it exactly, but like their online digital, it's a subscription oh, learning yeah. service. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have yeah. access to that as well. And now I have to make a decision like, do I just do Juno's Genius or is it, I guess it's comparable to like the Cisco digital you know, library Gotcha. Th- that I also had. So what did you use for your Juno studies? Did you have that Juniper learning portal thing or not? I, I did not have access to okay. that. Okay, yeah. Um, I just had the Juno's Genius. Um, but I would say that if, I, I, I'm not sure because I've never used it, but I think that if you have that uh, subscription, you can take self-paced courses and you actually get like a certificate of completion Right at the end of each course to show that like, hey, I actually did this kind of thing. Yeah, I was planning on just using that resource because it's paid and yeah. like, maybe it's better than Junius Genius, I, but everybody I, I loves Junius Genius, you know? I, I think that stuff is probably a little bit more comprehensive because throughout the Junius Genius stuff, it's like, oh, hey, there's also this training too. Oh, okay. Yeah, little so, teasers of like, hey, yeah. come over here and <laughs> <laughs> want to know more? Click here. Yeah, 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 there's some of that for sure. Cool. All right. Well, good stuff, man. So um, you had reached out on Twitter, right? And asking the mm-hmm. fans, hey, uh, what topics would you like to hear us talk about on the show? And we we have a laundry list of topics to talk about. So it's, you know, we haven't gotten to the point yet where we're so desperate that we're like, hey, <laughs> hey, Twitter, tell us what to talk about next week. But right, right. Uh, we, we really liked, um, so Andre, Hug of Thunder, he's on the Discord server, right? It's all about the journey. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we kind of liked what he suggested, which was, you know, what topic he'd like to hear us talk about. Worst job slash worst work situation. Um, so, you know, what were your quote unquote crappy jobs before you were a big fancy, you know, network engineer? Because, <laughs> um, you know, I, I know like me when I was the cable guy in my truck, um, 
you know, I, I didn't exactly have a job or a career I was in love with and I was yeah. working toward, you know, the job I have now. And if this show existed then and I was listening, I think it would be helpful for me to be like, okay, you know, this job isn't all that great, but Hey, these guys who are at the quote unquote top of the mountain, they've been here too. And, right. and I can get there. Right. And so, um, do you, I guess, want to start us off? Like wh- where would you start in your, I don't know if calling it your crappy jobs is fair, but you know, how, how do you, how do you want to frame this and where do you want to start? You want to go first? I, I only had a couple of different jobs before I, I got into it. So, um, I started my my career, my professional you know career working or whatever, uh, as I think a lot of people do. I, I worked at a grocery store, right? I got a job, you know, bagging groceries, and then eventually I I did like the whole cashier thing. And so, so how uh, how and, old were you? Were you a kid? Like, is it before college? Uh, I was I was fifteen. Yeah, a, and right. at the time, like that was like legal age, like that was the earliest you could possibly work here in the state of Vermont. And then there, you know, um, at fifteen, sixteen. You had, you could work, but it was like reduced hours. Like I think the latest you could work at night was like seven or eight o'clock at night or something like that. I don't, I don't know if that's still the case today, but. Did you have to get working papers? Do you remember like having to do that when you were, I remember no, my I, first I think job. It was just like parents had to sign the job app or whatever. Yeah. My parents had to sign some kind of like state form that says like they're giving me permission to work, you know, as an underage. Oh, no yeah, kidding. Yeah. yeah. They called it working paper. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. So you're at the no. grocery store. Yeah, yeah, I, work, I worked at a grocery store for a few years, and um, I, that was actually kind of fun because um, it was. So I don't, I don't know if you have this chain where, where you're at, but up here it's, uh, we got Price Chopper. Okay, I, I, nah, uh, I don't. And I, I think now they call it like Market Thirty Two, or they're going through like some sort of like rebranding or something like that. And um, and it was kind of fun because the store that I started working at was like at one end of the shopping plaza, and it was it was an old store; it had been there forever. And uh, they were building a brand new one at the opposite side of the shopping center. And so uh, it was like the summertime and they would send me down there to do like all these like odds and end jobs and stuff like that, like help stock shelves, pull brand new shopping carts off the trailer, get them all lined up in the, in the corrals and stuff like that. And it was a lot of fun because like I got to see like, you know, the, this whole store like being built and come together and stuff like that. So it was, it was, it was pretty fun. Um, the there was a couple of summers while I was working that job. So both of my parents worked in manufacturing. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so, so they, they both work for a company called, uh, Bearcrafter ski racks. I, I don't even know if it's around anymore. Is that uh, in Vermont? Like, Did you grow up in Vermont? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and so like, if you wanted a ski rack for your car, you, you would like go and have, you know, Bearcrafter ski racks like installed, like they did all sorts of stuff. Um, and so I, I started down there and, and it was just like, summertime extra money kind of stuff like i worked i went to work with my parents you know they got up early uh you know we left the house at like five o'clock we drove like 45 minutes half hour away to like get to their work and then we worked all day and then you know came home and then i went you know and did the grocery store thing Mm -hmm. at night too so i was working like two jobs for a couple summers and i just remember like my my first day on the job and (laughs) they're they're like showing me what to do and i like you got to pick this part pick part do this thing And, and then it's just like wow this this kind of sucks. <laughs> and, and like, there's, there's a woman standing next to me. She's like, this is what I do all day. Thanks. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I, I guess I'm just going to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Were you working alongside of your parents? Like, were you in physical proximity to them there? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so like my, my mom did uh, quality control. And so she was like always running around, like checking on stuff. And then, um, my dad actually operated like some of the machinery and, um, but my dad hadn't worked there for very long. Um, he, uh, he, he was a meat cutter by trade. Like he was a butcher. Okay. And he did that for a long time. And, and, um, 
he did that for like a, a grocery store chain. He finally got sick of it because, you know, he got called in on all sorts of hours doing all sorts of stuff. And he's like, finally, I like had enough of that. So he, he got into the manufacturing thing and, and worked with my mom for a little bit. And, um, it was, it was kind of funny. Cause like, uh, I got stuck on this press machine where you would press in like nuts into like a handle so that you would like twist the handle on. It was, you know, for a ski rack. And, uh, and so like, I'm doing this thing like all damn day. <laughs> And it's hot in there and it sucks. And like, <laughs> and you're like my 16, would, right? Like you, you, you don't want to no, be yeah. doing this. Like, yeah. And, yeah. and my mom would come by and she's like, how many have you done? I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, you know, and I'd show her the bench. She's like, you're way behind. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see Will Ferrell and Elf when he's like doing the etch sketches? Like, yeah. How many yeah, have you done, buddy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Same thing. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, it, it was fun. It was cool to work with my parents uh, a little bit. You know, we, we, we had a good time. Um, but I, I only did that for like a couple of summers or school vacations. And then, um, after, after I worked at, uh, at the grocery store for a little bit, I went and I got a job at Kmart. Mm -hmm. We, we got a Kmart up here. We don't anymore. Um, and, uh, and so I was just like, you know, general merchandise or whatever, just an associate and stocking um, shelves I, again, right. Stuff like that. What's that? Stocking shelves. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah just, yeah. you know, I I'd work in like, I, I'd bounce around between like the toy department, automotive, hardware, sporting goods. Um, and eventually I, I became the sporting goods manager. Nice. And um, it was, I, I was actually working there on, uh, on September 11th. Really? When that happened. And um, it was, it was pretty crazy because we didn't have anything in the stores, right? Like there was no TV channels. There was nothing. There was no radio. We had no idea what was going on. Mm. Uh, and then like I stepped out and went to lunch and, um, I like the Kmart was like really close to my home. So like I, I would drive home for lunch cause I had like an hour long lunch and I, so I like, I started to listen to the radio and it would like, it was talking about all this stuff going on. And the, the radio station that I listened to was, was classic at pulling pranks. And so I'm listening to this and I'm just like, this ain't real. This is wow. like one of their, like their prank things. And, and it was, it was very real, you know, like mm. I get home and you pop on the news and it's just like, Oh my God, like this is really happening. Wow you know, kind of thing. So that, that was pretty surreal because everything that was in the store was like loops, right? Like it was, it was like, like a tape, somebody would pop in, it would just play so many commercials or songs or something like that. And then the TVs just played movies all day. So like li literally inside the store, we had no idea what was going and on. And it was probably awful music, right? Like elevator music, Oh, like yeah. Barry Manilow. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not to disparage Mr. Manilow, but you know, <laughs> nothing you want to listen to eight hours a day, five days a no, week. No, no, yeah, yeah. no way. Definitely not. Definitely not. Music that will not offend anyone in any way, right? Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Very right. vanilla. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, so that job was kind of, it was funny because like I, I hit a point in, in uh, one day the because I, I worked there, I graduated high school and then I didn't have any immediate plans, you know, so I just kept working there for a little bit. And uh, and the, the store general manager was just like, you ever thought about being an assistant manager, AJ? And I was like super young and I was like kind of taken aback. I'm like, really? Like yeah. assistant manager? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I like, I took it as a big compliment. I was just like, yeah, you know, like, I think I'd like to check that out. And so, you know, they thought that it would be best to send me to another store to, you know, get trained to be an assistant manager. So, because they, they thought that it would be hard for me to earn the respect of my peers since I had worked with these people for, you know, a couple of years. Um, <laughs> it's the funniest thing. And it, it, this was like one of the things that kind of kicked me to be like, there's more out there, AJ. <laughs> uh so like I, I start this training program and um, the next closest store was in Plattsburgh, New York, which is about an hour and a half drive away from where I lived in Burlington. Hmm. 
uh, and you had to take a ferry. Wow. Um, otherwise, you had to drive up like way north, cross over a bridge, and then come all the way back down to Plattsburgh. And that turned an hour and a half drive into a three-hour drive. So hour and a half, <laughs> including a ferry trip over the water. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Sometimes it was shorter. Like if if I if I timed it just right and I pulled up to the ferry and I like paid and got right on and then it took off, you know. But but most of the time I would pay and then I'd like sit in line for like twenty minutes, just wait for the next next one to come or whatever. But when you're at that age and you don't have really marketable skills and a company like that says, Hey, we want to give you more responsibility, like it's kind of a big deal, you know, it makes you feel yeah. like, Oh great. Yeah. It's, it's the best thing you got going, right? Like, hey, we want to make exactly. this system. It's probably a pay bump, there's a little more responsibility. Yep. But yep. something happened where you're like, eh, yeah, so so I start doing this training, right? And, and uh, it was computer based training, and it, it would like taught you about sales metrics and like all this stuff. And then um, I start talking to like actual assistant managers that do the job. And this one person literally said to me, they were just like, "Yeah, it's it's real great. You get paid a salary that's like you know forty hours a week, but you work like sixty minimum, and you know it's kind of <laughs> crap pay. And it's just like, well, you're really selling it right now." Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so after that like i i kind of like the drive got to me it was like winter time and like it was just it turned a long drive into an even longer drive because traffic was slow going like uh and, and during the winter time up here they they reduced the number of trips the ferry makes because there's just not that many people so now you're waiting so for like, the ferry to come right like, yeah yeah and what are you like and, 17 and so, 18 right like you're relatively young yeah yeah it was definitely like under 20 and they're like, hey, you're going to work a lot and only get paid yeah. for a certain amount. And <laughs> exactly. was it was it kind of the dangling the carrot thing? Like, hey, man, if you do this, you know, for a few years and you can work your way up to like, you know, not assistant manager. And was there any kind of that? Like, like, why would you why would you work 60 hours a week and get paid for 40? Right. Like, yeah, I, I always yeah. feel like and, and it, jobs it, like, hey, it was man, like it someday was like, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be in charge of this whole thing. Like, and it was like a backbreaking 60 hours too because like you were you were constantly moving stuff around you were constantly walking around the store checking on stuff you were dealing with like mean people mm-hmm. both employees and customers like <laughs> it, it just you know even even then it was just like i don't know i don't really think i want to i don't think this is for me yeah and so i uh, you know I, I went back and i'm just like look i i really appreciate you thinking of me but I don't think this is for me. <laughs> Re- retail is a tough gig. I've worked a lot yeah. of retail gigs and yeah, you're, I mean, it's, it's all customer service. So you got to smile when people are giving you a hard time and everybody's complaining to you and it doesn't really pay that well. And I, I, I have a lot of respect for, you know, you do what you got to do and it's, it's, it's a tough gig in retail. Yeah. Yeah. So that they, they let me step, you know, back down or whatever. And, and, uh, I did the whole sporting goods manager thing again for a little bit longer. And, um, Oh, so you told him like this management thing isn't for me. Yeah. I just okay. like, you know what? I don't think I'm interested in the, the assistant manager thing. You know, mm-hmm. just like, okay, well we haven't filled your old position. So why don't you just, you know, kind of take that back. And well, like, good for right, you. Cool, good thanks. for you for saying that at that age. Yes. Yeah. At that point, you just be like, Oh, they might get mad. <laughs> yeah. Know? I got to yeah. do this. Huh? I mean, like it, it was, it was probably like only a month or two in. And, and so I was just like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think this is what I want. Mm. Um, and, and so, in in sporting goods, I sold firearms, uh, you know, hunting rifles, shotguns. We didn't we didn't sell pistols, at least not at the Kmart that I worked at. We didn't do anything like that. We had pistol ammunition that we sold. Um, but you, you know, you come in to buy a shotgun and, or, or or whatever. You have to fill out the ATF forms, and then I'd have to like call it in. And when I talk to the ATF, I get a little special secret code word that I'm actually somebody that you know, whatever. And then I give them all the information, and they they run the background check and. It was so fun doing those background checks <laughs> because, you, you know, like 
most of the time it was like it was it was passed and in the state of vermont if you you know at least back then like if you pass the atf background check it was like okay let's go ahead but you know sell this gun kind of thing and uh there there's a few times where like i got the nope declined like the do not sell oh wow and and uh <laughs> you know you, you you give you give the news like i'm sorry like you you were declined i can't i can't sell your gun today he's just like is, is it because of this stupid pot thing that happened? Years ago? I can't believe that. Like he just starts like spouting off. Like you got you got a felon standing there, and he knows right? he shouldn't get one. He's like, oh, maybe maybe I'll slip through the cracks. Maybe the kid will forget to check me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other the other good one. Um, I had a a guy come in, uh, and he was a postman. Like, and he and he was dressed up in his like his postal worker outfit, right? And um, he wants to take a look at a, a twenty gauge. Uh, pump shotgun and so you know he's he's looking at it and uh you know he put he puts it up to his shoulder he's looking down the sights and he's like lifting it up and down it's like wow this is nice nice shotgun and then all of a sudden he looks at me he goes does this have a pistol grip (laughs) and i was just like uh no no they're they're illegal right (laughs) uh i i mean i've definitely seen them around but that's that's not the kind of gun that we sold at at kmart Right. right like like you're not supposed uh, to sell off the stocks. Like there's certain yeah. tactical things that they just don't sell for a reason. Yeah, guess, exactly. Right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. all the stuff was like hunting oriented, right? Right. right. Um, and so I th- I thought that was kind of funny. Um, then uh, let's see. Oh yes, yes. Uh, I had a a shotgun came through uh, my store that had been involved in a murder. Ooh, show uh, just took and- a dark turn. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, well, one day I get. Uh, Burlington Police Department comes into the store, and so I got two officers. They're just like, "Yeah, we, we need to talk to you about a about a firearm that came through your store." Um, you know, we're we're tracing it for the manufacturer. Uh, we're helping you know another police department that has the murder weapon, uh, and according to records, like it it came here to your store. So you know, what what can you tell us about it? And I was like, "Oh, oh, oh okay." Yeah. Wow. Uh, so that like they gave me the serial number, so I had to go back through like all my records, and uh, it turned out it was a gun that had gotten sent to another store and was sold at the next store uh that were like close to where the murder took place wow yeah yeah but apparently yeah i had it on my shelf for a little bit didn't sell it somebody else needed it and so um you know some some other clerk sent it off to another store so the best part of this job was on the atf background (laughs) checks and federal agents showing up i mean that was the only way you were getting any reprieve from you know yet another Whitney Houston song piping through the speakers in the store. Like, right. You were, right. You were... and, and like, you know, that one of the nastiest parts about that job was the, the building that the store was in was so under, underkept. It like, they it just, they, they did not keep up the maintenance on it. It was a super old building. And so anytime it rained, you know, the, the, the store had really tall ceilings and that, but it was a drop ceiling. So you had like all those cheap, like tiles up in the ceiling. And, um, when it rained, the roof would leak like all over the place, <laughs> but the water would collect on these tiles, these drop ceiling tiles. And they would, and like, they would sag. at first they would like expand and <laughs> then they would hang and then they would break. <laughs> and uh, on, on the off occasion, like a couple times I'd, I'd seen it like bust on somebody uh, and it was like customer. this nasty, like <laughs> rusty water. Uh, and, and so after that happened, um, they they would like when it rained they would send me and some like other other associates around and we would have to like close off aisles where we could see the tiles were starting to expand and then uh they would send us around to proactively like bust them 
when nobody was under there. So that way we could then clean up the mess and then just put a bucket and let the rain drip into the bucket. It's just like, so what? wasn't Kmart like a gigantic national chain? Like, yeah. they call corporate yeah. and be like, yo, can we get a new roof on this building? Right. We have rain dripping on customers. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh. It was crazy. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was pretty, pretty nasty. I, I eventually ended up leaving there. A buddy of mine, um, worked for a car dealership. Uh, it was, um, it was a Saturn, uh, and it was so weird about Saturn. It was like almost like a cult. Yeah. I've heard <laughs> like, that about like those. when people bought Saturns, it's like, they weren't just buying a car. It was like a member of the family, right? Like, and people got these like really big emotional attachments to these cars to the point where like. When they traded them in, like you see people get like super weepy about like, you know, having to trade in this car because of all the miles they like drove in it and stuff like now, that. Now, ho- just- now, hold on. I used to sell cars and I don't recall Saturns even being all that great of a brand of a car, right? Like were, were they like known to be reliable? Like I don't, um, I don't remember them being pretty or fast or sporty or reliable, like, but these people I, I were really in, attached, huh? The, initially, the thing about those was um, they were plastic, right? Mm. Like they were molded. Like, you know, your shopping cart could like literally bounce off these things. Like okay. there's only a couple of parts. I think it was like the the hood, the roof, and the trunk lid were the only like metal body parts on these things. So that was like a new thing. Like, like it wouldn't yeah. tent in a parking lot or something. Right, huh? right. And, and you, like you, you would have, you know, the, the sales guys, like when they're going around showing this off, they would like punch the cars. <laughs> and, Check like, this it would out. Just, bonk. You didn't want to do that in the wintertime, though. It was like negative 20 <laughs> outside. If you punch that Crack. thing, it would just shatter. Like, so what were you doing there? What kind of job did you uh, do? So I did everything mm. there. That, that, like The only thing I didn't do there was sell cars. Mm. Uh, yeah. And so that, that dealership was a part of a chain of like four or five different uh, dealerships. And, uh, and we had like a Chrysler. We had uh, the Saturn. There was a Nissan. And then there was a Chevy and Jeep were all part of that chain. Um, and, and so the, the two buildings that I worked between was a Chrysler and a Saturn. And, um, that, that was a fun job. So I started there as just literally, I was just a wash boy, like the service department, like gave free car washes with every service that came in. It paid more than, than working at Kmart. That's what I was going to ask. Is that why you left? It was a better job. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, the benefits were a little bit better and, and all that, like literally like I would pull cars into the base for the technicians to work on after they were done. I pull it out, pull it up to a wash bay, wash, wash it. Sometimes people would pay like, you know, the 10 bucks to get a vacuum. So I'd vacuum it out. Um, and, and I did that job for like, you know, a couple months and then a position opened up in, um, the detailing department. So if somebody bought a new car, we would, we'd detail it, clean it up. Uh, and then if, somebody traded in a car, we'd, we'd clean up the trade in and get it ready to either go to auction or, or be sold, you know, there at the dealership. How were the hours? Cause I, I sold cars um, and we worked all the time. Like, did you have normal hours? Yeah. I mean, there was like one night a week we were open until like eight o'clock. So somebody had to stay there in case someone like, you know, sold a car or whatever. Right. Uh, and then there was like every Saturday we worked uh-huh. and because we worked Saturday, we got a day off in the middle of the week and it was right. usually a Wednesday or Thursday. So not a terrible schedule for no, younger. No, that wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you like yep. this job? It was good. Um, what I, what I liked about it was like I love taking a dirty car and making it look new again. Ah. It was like a craft, man. Like it was it was so much fun doing that. Like I found some dirty ass cars. <laughs> <laughs> there was some really nasty stuff. I'm a, I'm afraid to ask. Like <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> Is there anything PG that if a kid was sitting in the car listening to this that you know, you could tell us what, like, something you found in a car. I, I mean, most of the time it was because of the kids. Yeah. 
stickers on windows. That was the worst thing to have to clean off. Uh, and then there was like all sorts of stains in the seats, like food that had just been there forever. Bubble gum really comes out of seats like horrible. Anything unexpected that like, you know, you would expect stickers and gum from kids, but like you <laughs> ever find something like, why is this under this seat? Like what is happening here? A- adults are nasty people. Let me just tell you that. Right <laughs> now. Some, some adults are very nasty people. Um, I, on more than one occasion, I found dog turds under the seat. <laughs> I have no idea why. Just they were they out. were petrified. Okay, so they weren't like in a bag that somebody picked it up and nope. it was just nope. the dog just, just raw. Just raw on the carpet. <laughs> how, does, how does a dog poop in a car? No idea. And you gotta smell it like you would think somebody yeah. would clean you it. Would, right? Like I don't know how the heck they wouldn't know that that was there. Were these customer cars? Like they bring them in to get detailed mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, or they get traded in. Well so, what was fun is like if somebody left like it depends on what it was. Like if somebody left stuff in the car, sometimes it was like, oh, sometimes it was like, you know, it was cool for us to keep it. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. uh, But then depending on what it was, like, you know, we would at least go tell like the sales person that sold the car and he's like, hey, you know, just so you know, this looks kind of important. Might be, you know, yeah. they, they might want this kind of thing. But I, like, you know, if a car got traded in. Uh, that had a really cool stereo on it, and the, like the other customer, like the the person who sold it, didn't want it back. Yeah, Sometimes they would let us take it out if we had right. a factory deck to put back in there. Yep, yep. And and so we usually had a stash of like factory decks for various makes and models of cars, so that way we could like swap them in and out. <laughs> so I just want to say, in college, me and my buddies had a house, and we had a maid come like whatever it was once every two weeks, and we would like the day she was coming, we would try to straighten up a little bit so it wasn't so awful, you know, like because yeah. we were decent human beings. It takes a special kind of person to know there's dog poop in the car, bring it to a detailer, and leave it there for the detailer to find. Like that's some, and sometimes I think that's what they did. That's some passive aggressive anger right there. Like yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? That's like awful. oh, I'm going in for oil change on Saturday. Maybe I'll just pay the ten bucks and have them vacuum it out for me. <laughs> I've had dogs my whole life, and I've been driving a long time, and I've never had dog poop in my car. I don't even know how that. <laughs> that's... I I don't know, man. Uh, um. But that that job was fun. Uh, I really liked detailing. Like it was so much fun to take a car that was like all scratched up and like buff the scratches out, make it look yeah. like glass. That that was like that was. I feel like that was a real skill because like you like sometimes I try to teach somebody how to do it, and I can't tell you how many times I saw somebody like burn through the clear coat right. of a car, uh, you know, with a, with like a wool buffing pad because they they just weren't doing it right. Um, I I got to install every accessory known to man. Uh, so I became like really good at that, and, and so like now when I when I get my own vehicles, like I install all of my own accessories. Like I, I put running boards on my truck because I, I know how to do that kind of stuff from working there. So wow, even just uh, putting in a radio is no joke. I've screwed oh, them yeah. up a couple times. I had a I had a car my grandfather gave me burn to the ground because I I had an it was in college I was a moron and somebody told me I should get an amp. So I had an amp behind my seat. Oh. It was an old like Oldsmobile Delta eighty eight big old blue car big V eight and. I tried to install an amp and you have to run power to an amp. Now, I didn't know that you could run it just to the fuse box in the car. I ran it out the driver's side door and then up into the hood and connected it into the to the battery. Well, yep. every time I'd open and close the door, the metal door was slowly oh. wearing away the insulation on the power cord. So yep. long story short, I go to run into a CVS. I'm parked in the fire lane. I come out. Convenient. My car's on fire. There's there's liquid that the battery's shorted. Everything's on. So, oh you know, my gosh! The one time I tried to install an amp for my radio in a car, 
the car burnt to the ground and I almost burnt <laughs> down an entire shopping center. <laughs> there was literally firemen on the roof of this CVS, like axing it, making sure there weren't embers. Like, wow. So, so yeah, you're, you're much better at installing accessories. <laughs> I, I pay Best Buy now. If I need a radio, I just pay the hundred bucks and I'm like, you know, I, I mean, I think you have to now, right? <laughs> well, like yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if you could do that, you know, cause like I, I know with like, um, so most of my vehicles are, are GM. We usually buy Chevy. Um, and I, because of like OnStar's tied in there, like there's so many things tied into the radio system now. Like, I don't know that, you know, I, I think in some vehicles you, you have to use the radio interface to like adjust your, your HVAC. Like if mm. you want the AC to turn on and all that stuff. So like, I, I don't even know if you can just one swap big computerized out some of these system decks. now. It's crazy, right? Yeah. So were yeah. you still living at home? Like, were you making it off? You're living at home. I mean, you know, so h- how do we tie this back into like our network engineering podcast? Like, did you, was there a bunch of crappy jobs after this? Was it? You know, uh, the car dealership was the last one before going into IT. Um, I let me see, was I living at no, no, I was not living at home. I was living with a roommate. Yeah, why, why, a roommate. why did you make that pivot? Like, what did something happen in your life that you're like, I need something better? So, two two things happened that uh, that really spurred me to say I have to do something more with my life. Um, I was going to school at this time when I, when I was working at the car dealership, I was already going to school for it at this time. Mm. Um, so before that, while I was in high school, I, I participated in this program. Uh, it was for the junior and senior year at, at the Burlington tech center. They have a program called aviation maintenance and you actually learn how to repair aircraft, mm. like like airplanes um, of all different types uh, and then like helicopters and stuff too. So this is high school, like a trade school? Yeah. Okay. So you learned some of those skills. And and so, and then after you do those two years, you could actually, uh, there was like a three parts to a certification. There was like the general, the airframe and the power plant. Uh, And so the general was just like basic maintenance for airplanes and stuff like that. Then the airframe was literally learning how to make repairs to an airframe. And then uh, the power plant was like aircraft engines. Um, and so after you took the first two years, you could pivot to like a post-secondary or whatever. Um, there was actually an extension of the school out at the Burlington airport where you could actually go and and finish the program. But to do that, like it it wasn't a formal accredited school yet. It was still a a relatively new thing. You had to like pay for it out of pocket. Uh, and you had to buy all your tools. Mm. So like you had to invest thousands of dollars into tools, uh, to go to this school. So I was trying to save up for that. Right. Um, and I graduated, uh, high school in 2001 and that's mm. when September 11th happened. And yeah. after September 11th, it hit the airlines hard. And one of the first moves the airlines did to, to cut cost was they laid off thousands of aircraft mechanics. Wow. Um, because you could have one certified person, uh, supervising 10 uncertified people. Mm. And so I, I just immediately, I knew, I'm just like, if I stay this course, like I'm going to struggle. Yeah. Right. And, and I watched some friends of mine that, that stuck to it. They got their, their airframe and power plant license and they struggled, you know, because they were competing, finding jobs with these seasoned vets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah. Um, and then honestly, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get real here. Cause I always get real. I'm, I'm pretty authentic. Um, the other thing that, that caused me to, get my button gear is, um, I, I lost my dad. Mm. Um, I lost my dad at, uh, at 18 and I was working for Kmart and, um, that whole experience, it just kind of like life is short. Yeah. Um, and, and so that kind of caused me to like, start looking like, okay, what, what am I going to do? And, and so 
um, the next year after he passed away, I started college and I had no idea what I was going to go to school for. I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. I just kind of knew like if I wanted to do something better, I, sh I should get a degree. And I, I, I did not do well in high school, right? Like I, <laughs> I, I was like an average student. I wasn't shooting for the moon. I just wanted to get through it. Uh, and so it's not like I could go off to some Ivy League or whatever like that. So um, I went to community college locally. Uh, and one of the classes I took there was um, computer programming. And I had so much fun. I was just like, I don't know if programming's for me, but I really like this IT thing. Uh, and Wait a minute. Class you you like computer uh, programming? Just, just yeah okay <laughs> it, no it was fun it was, it was really cool like yeah. you'd sit there and like you know type away and like tell the computer what you wanted to do and then it went and did it it's like wow that's that's fun i wish i liked computer programming <laughs> <laughs> um but then i did a networking class and it's like oh okay all right here we go uh, this is this is my jam was that the community um, college like you were getting introduced yeah. to some of the it stuff in community college yep. yeah okay and, and so it, the degree program was like computer systems management it was a two-year mm. degree in computer systems management so after that i went to a four-year college and transferred my credits and uh got a degree in networking information security did you have to take calculus and computer programming in your first semester in that program uh not in the first semester no okay but pro was programming like one of the first things that you had to touch on so so the, my original degree program was just general education. Right. Okay. Like just like, like a gen ed kind of thing. And, and um, I took C++ as an elective, like Ooh. just, you know, I just like, Hey, what the heck? I'll, I'll take this. It's, it's being offered this semester. I don't, you know, I just needed to take some sort of extracurricular. And you were good like, at it, huh? Like you Let's got it. It, it made sense. C++. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the final project really upset me because I, I spent so much time uh, staring at a black and white screen like all semester long. I'm just like, I want to add some color. So I figured out how to add color to a C++ program uh, that was basically just all command line stuff. And it was like hundreds of lines of code just to get me to change color of text. <laughs> and uh, we, we present our final projects and some people didn't have anything like working. And after we, we present all of our final projects, the instructor is just like, you guys did all such a great job. You all get A's. <laughs> it's just like, what? Are you serious right now? Participation but, trophies. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but I, I, I guess I can't complain. It was community college, right? So. Oh, man. I wanted to be a computer <laughs> science major in the worst way. And the first semester was C++ and calculus. And I tried so hard. And it was just yeah. not for me. Yeah. yeah. I got a lot of respect for you guys who can hack that stuff. I've even <laughs> I've even thought now, like, you know, I, I would almost want to go back and... Like I have a bachelor of arts and, you know, communications, but I, I'd almost yeah. love to go through computer science because I'm watching like, you know, what is it? MIT has the free courses like online. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm literally now 20 years later trying to watch computer science courses just to get my head around programming and, you know, how all that stuff works. So, right. <sighs> well, wow. That's, that, that's a big pivot point, man. You, you went through, you know, pretty big life changing event. I, I can see why that would, uh. I mean, that's why I thought this conversation would be relevant for our listeners because, you know, we've all had not so great jobs and just trying to yeah. figure out our way, you know, through through life. And how do you get from just the kid bouncing around with not so great jobs to, you know, this this awesome job you have now? And I guess, a you know, big life event. Uh, a lot of people I've talked to over the years, right? Like something happens. It, it's almost like watching a movie or a story arc or reading a right. good novel. Like that's, you know, the character's moving along and then something happens. Yeah. And, and you know what? Like had that not happened, I, I mean... I was just on cruise control, man. Yeah. Like I was just getting up, going to work. You sure. know, I wasn't really, I don't know, striving for anything. I didn't really know. Like I didn't have any goals. Like I'm just, it was just like, I'm just doing this for now. And, and that's good enough. Like I was making money. I could, you know, do fun things, hang out with friends, whatever. Like 
there was nothing really pulling or pushing me in any direction. I was just moving along. Yeah. And, and kudos to you. I've, I've been through some family tragedies. Kudos to you that you were able to lock in and focus given the tragedy that, you know, you and your family endured that you could get, you know, get in there and get through school and, and learn. And it's, it's not yeah. an easy thing when you're it, grieving. It, it so. was, it was a lot of motivation because, you know, my father, like he always wanted more, right. For, for the family. Like he didn't, he didn't finish high school, you know, mm. and, and you know, because he was, he was so young, like it was a time where, you know, you were, you were working with the family if, if, you know, you weren't going to school. And so he just decided to just work with the family and he picked up, uh, I, my grandparents owned like a general store in the small town with, where he grew up. And so he, that's where he learned how to cut meat was, was right there in the family store Yeah, yeah. kind of thing. And so he, you know, he always wanted more for, for me, uh, and, and always encouraged me to do more. So it was just like, all right, you know, like I'm doing this for you, dad. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's beautiful, man. That's, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty poignant. And, and I, and I know that like our first episode, um, we, we kind of talked about our, our career, uh, you know, of our, of our tech jobs and how you got to like where you are now. So it, are there any missing pieces if somebody were listening? Like, so right now you're in college and you're going for it. Yep. yep. Does that story pick up on episode one? Like, is, is there any missing pieces? Yeah, no, I, I mean, pretty much like it, it, for, for me, when I was working at the car dealership, um, I was going to college full time and a lot of my peers in my classes, like they weren't working full time. Some of them weren't even working. Like right. they were just going to school and like, I would hear about them working on these fun projects and dabbling like and applying what they were learning. And I had no opportunities to do that. And so that to me, that's when I was just like, I got to break in. Like yeah. I got to get an IT job. Right. Um, and in, in the first episode, I talked about how uh, I saw a counselor at school that was like a, like a professional job kind of counselor, right? Like she helped you spruce up your resume. Like I, so I brought her like this job listing. I'm like, I want to apply for this job. Like, mm -hmm. can you help me? <laughs> and this is why yeah, you're in college, so, like, right? I, I showed her my resume and she helped me rearrange it to display my skills that were pertinent to the job posting. Wow. Um, and it was, it was really cool because, um, I ran into her like shortly afterwards and I'm like, Hey, I got the job. And she's like, Oh my God, I want to hug you, but I'm like, I'm not supposed to kind of thing. Like, <laughs> Cause like there, there was like a lot of back and forth between her and I, and she, she spent time like coaching me, like, this is what they're going to ask wow. you in the interview, be prepared for, for this kind of stuff. Like she was really great at her job and, mm. and, you know, she's probably the reason why so many students like got jobs like right out of college. Thank goodness for those people. I, oh, I, yeah. I, I can point to a couple people in, in my journey where they, they just, they, they took an interest and they gave their time and effort and really helped me, you know, change, change direction. That's yeah, that's really cool. All right, so is are, are are we at the end of the AJ crappy job yeah, to yeah, network engineer yep. superstar? That's the guy end of my and, crappy job saga. Right. And and if we have any new listeners who haven't heard episode one and want to hear how AJ went from college <laughs> to the first job to the top of the mountain where he's at now, I guess you can right. go back to episode one and yep. and listen. I guess all of our episodes are always available, right? I know, like some oh, podcasts, yeah. you have to like go somewhere else and pay to get early episodes. All of our stuffs. Yeah, all I of think our on stuff's the website, always, right? always yeah. online. You can go back to episode one. Because and... I know if you look in the podcatcher, like Apple Podcasts, it won't have all of them. But I guess you could go to the website. Um, Art of Network I think you have to like and... hit something in Apple yeah. Podcasts oh, it's the Apple to be able to yeah, 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 right. Well, if you go to Apple Podcasts and you can't find episode one, you can find it at theartofnetworkengineering.com. All of our episodes are, are listed Absolutely. there. Absolutely. All right. So you want to hear my crappy job to network engineer guys? I do, because you, you kind of teased me a little bit. Something about a, a, a grease trap. So uh, Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I've had a, so I, I wrote a list, right? I, I was thinking earlier today, I love my lists. 
And I'm probably missing some jobs, but I've had 17 jobs. I started working in, I think, seventh grade, and I've had 17 jobs since seventh grade. And I can tell you that most of them were not great jobs. And (laughs) (laughs) I was working them because I didn't have, you know, uh, just so I don't forget to say it at the end, I mean, the skill set that I've been able to accumulate and the certifications and the job and the experience and all, it's all happened as a result of learning a there's a book, uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport, and he has this mantra of like, learn, learn a valuable skill, become an expert at it, and you will be, I'm, I'm not giving it justice, but learn something that isn't easy, become great at it, and you will have a wonderful career for the rest of your life. Um, so it's, it's a really great book. But, you know, I, ne- I never had a specific skill set that was valuable in the market that somebody would pay right. me well and be able to have a good, you know, I, I was so... Um, you know, I won't go through all the 17 jobs cause that's ridiculous. But you know, my, my first job was a paper boy. I was in seventh grade. I was a terrible, pa- I was a terrible paper boy. There, <laughs> there was, there was this big apartment building, like 400 units over by where I lived. And there was all these old folks there. And I think my buddy had the paper route. It was only like 17 customers. It was the crappiest yeah. paper route ever. And they were like 33 cent, probably local papers or whatever, but you know, I would say 50% of the time, these poor customers would get their paper because yeah. it was like, you'd have to get up at four in the morning, go somewhere and get the stack, go over, deliver them all. And you know, I'm in seventh grade. Like what kind of discipline or fortitude does right. a seventh grader have? Maybe Elon Musk did, but me, I was like, eh, <laughs> some mornings I just didn't get up. And, and it's funny. So every couple of weeks you'd have to go collect from these nice people. And I'm this little kid and I'm like, Hey, I need my $3 for the, you know, and they'd all be like, well, I didn't get my paper these seven days. And I don't know what I would tell them. And, but I was just, you know, I, I apologize to those poor people who I was their paper boy because I was the most unreliable paper boy, you know, out there, but, but it was my first gig. I, I wanted a job. Yeah. I wanted a couple bucks, you know, and, uh, I wasn't very good at that. Um, got a job as a bus boy the next year and I would ride my 10 speed bike 35 minutes across town to this Italian restaurant and, you know, just, just bussing tables and a couple of my buddies were there and it was just, uh, you know, just, just, just a kid job. You know what I mean? Um, cashiers, sandwich shops, uh, these were all like crappy three, four dollar, three, four dollars an hour jobs. You know what I mean? Like you'd work eight hours, you might clear 30 bucks and, and a kid with no bills living at home, you know, it was fine. I don't even know what I was doing with the money, but so, um, so. I, I, I got to tell you, early on when I was young, I had friends that worked in food service and they would tell me some like horror stories. <laughs> and so I, I vowed very early on in my life, even as a teenager, that I would never, ever work in food service. I got to tell you, later in life, I, I, I was a waiter. I worked my way through college as a waiter for five years. Yes, five years. I was in college forever. But, um, <laughs> you know, I developed such an appreciation. It's so hard to serve people food. People are so picky about their food. And if you want a medium steak, they might have a different idea. The chef in the kitchen says it's medium. The customer's all pissed and says it isn't. You go back to the kitchen, you're getting yelled at by the chef. Like It's such a hard job. You're just in the middle of this storm and you're just trying to make these people happy. And your whole living is based on these people at this table being happy with their meal. Yeah. And all you're doing is taking it and giving it to the chef, but everybody's mad at you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. but it's just giving so now me- your income lies in the hands of the guy in the back. Yeah. But I overtip everybody when, when we, when we go out and eat just because yeah. it's, it's such yeah. a difficult job and you never know if, if you hadn't done it. But, um, yeah, so they, they were kind of crappy jobs. And then I had an uncle who was a plumber. So th- this is a great story. Um, I was a plumber's helper 
And I think we were making five bucks an hour under the table, right? We, like that was the best money I'd ever made at the time. But so he had this job where there was this big park where we lived and he had to run a new water line from the street. And it was, I don't know, 500, 1,000 feet yards, but a really long run. He had the trench all the way through this park to this uh, like utility building where all the guys that worked had. And they were replacing a water line, whatever they were doing there. Well, anyway, he gets about halfway across the run and he hits like the town sewer main. There's this oh, gigantic no. sewer main. So there's like a 400 foot ditch that's been dug already, pretty you know wide enough to stand in. And it's pretty deep because I guess you got to get below the frost line, whatever. But he hits this main. So me and my stepbrother, you know, doing whatever we're doing. And he's starts yelling and screaming for us to come over. And we come over and the backhoe is sitting there and there is just raw sewage pouring oh. out of this huge, <laughs> and it's filling up the trench now. So, oh no. So he tells us, you get on that side of the, of the leak. You get on that side. I'm going to run over. And I forget what he was doing. I don't know if he's like diverting the trench to try to get the sewage before it spilled over into everything. And we had like a, you know, a, a huge problem on our hands, but he told me to get down in the trench, stand in the poop. And when it got up to my knees, wave my arm and they would come over and re-divert it so that it wouldn't get too high. So this is like, you know, oh I might, I might've been like 14 years old. And I'm so happy because like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a cashier making, you know, Hey, I'm making money. It's under the table. This is a trade. Maybe I'll do this someday. And it wasn't long that I was like, plumbing is not for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm staying, I'm not only staying, you know, it'd be bad enough if you were standing in your own excrement. This was the entire town, main sewage line leaving oh. town. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, you know, I'm real grateful for the job I have today, AJ. Right, right. I remember things like this, um, but I worked in a couple different trades. I was a plumber's helper. I was an electrician's helper. Um, my, my dad is a is a retired Philly cop. He, he was a sergeant. And we had a bunch of cops in our family. And, you know, he was a sergeant for a while and then, you know, wasn't really lighting his fire. It's, it's not something he wanted to do long term. So he went to school for carpentry and he's been doing that for, you know, decades. And, and, and he just loves it. He's walking around whistling all day. He's just the happiest guy ever. And, and you know, it's like that That's adage. Awesome. If you do something you love, you know, you never work a day in your life. So, you know, he yeah. found what he's good at and his passion. So I, I worked with him for a year. Um, I, I was doing those jobs. I started going to college. Computer science kicked my butt. I tried to do something else. I wasn't really just that. I wanted to be. So, so what, what spurred you to want to go to college for computer science? Everybody in high school went to college. Yeah. I didn't know what else to do. And my mom worked for Bell Telephone forever. And she said, well, oh. honey, I can get you a job as a lineman at Bell Telephone. They started $50 in, or what was it? They started 50 grand a year, full benefits. She can retire in 20 years. And I still kick myself to this day because I said to her, mom, I'm going to go to college. I'm smarter than that. I'm going to, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know anything. And I went to this yeah. private school and everybody went to college and you were supposed to go to college. And I'd be retired by now if I took that job. Yeah. You know, I'd have a huge pension. I mean, don't get me started. But so I just went to college because that's where the group went. And I didn't know what else to do. And in my mind, you know, people told me my whole life how smart I was. And I, I don't think I was all that smart. But for some reason, the people around me were like, oh, you could do anything. You're smart and all that stuff. So I believe that line. And being a lineman for Bell Telephone to me seemed like settling. I'm like, well, I got to yeah. go to college and be whatever college becomes. Um and I always love, I, I always, you know, as all of us, we've talked about on the show, I was always taking things apart, tinkering. I wanted to know how stuff worked. I didn't really have a mathematical ability and, and like, I wasn't a programmer like you. Like I, 
I wasn't really good at the math part of the stuff, but the tactic, you know, the tactile, I, I could take apart like a reel to reel and figure out what was broken and, and fix it. Nice. I almost killed myself doing that once. Do not touch the fuse. <laughs> <laughs> While it's plugged in, do not take it apart and touch the fuse. That that was that was a mistake. But I, I liked, you know, I was a pre-physical therapy major because I had hurt my back in high school and I thought physical therapy would be cool. Calculus weeded me out. Um, I heard about computer science. I'm like, well, I, I love that kind of stuff. Computers were kind of new. I'm really dating myself, but um, that was like a new thing, you know, back then. And I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be great, man. Computers, that sounds like a good, you know, career. Calculus again, C++. I just, the, the majors that I was interested in kept weeding me out. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't hack the, the science and the, and the programming and stuff and the math. So um, I stepped away from college. I'm like, eh, this isn't really working out. Um, and my dad was like, all right, if you're quitting school, you're coming to work for me. Now I, should, <laughs> now I should tell you, like, my dad's my best friend. He's the man. He's He listens to all of our episodes. He's going to listen to this. He's like our, our, our biggest fan. That's awesome. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's he's an old school guy. I mean, he he was a Marine. He served during Vietnam. He was a, he was a sergeant in Philly. Like, he's he's a big man. Like, yeah. you know, he... <laughs> So when he took me to work, I should tell you that the first, I, I love telling this story and I'm sorry, dad, but so the first day at work, you know, you're, you're quitting college boy, you're coming to work for dad, right? Cause he was going to teach me a lesson, I think. <laughs> and I learned many lessons the year I worked with dad and, and I'm glad I did it. And it was some of the, you know, the, the most fun I've had at work, but I learned a lot. Um, the first day at, at, at work, it was the dead of winter. It was freezing cold and we were building an addition and, you know, an hour into the job, I smashed my thumb with a big weighted serrated framing hammer. Now my thumb exploded, AJ. Like, I don't remember if I could see bone, but it was bad. My dad, old school, tough guy, takes me over to his van, pours hydrogen peroxide on it, tapes it up, gives me the hammer and says, back to work. (laughs) Straight. Oh my gosh. Now when my thumb exploded, in my mind, the story was, I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to get fixed up. They're going to give me a bottle of Percocet and I'm going to chill for like two weeks. (laughs) That was what 20-year-old Andy <laughs> thought he was going to do. You know what I mean? Maybe crack a, couple, crack a couple beers, take my pain pills, and, you know, play some guitar. That's That was the epitome of what I wanted to do in my life at the time. Uh, but I could tell you that whole month we built that addition. I mean, every single nail I drove shot pain through my body oh, because yeah, my thumb had yeah. exploded. So the lesson, I don't know if – I'd have to ask my dad. I don't know if he was doing this on purpose to scare me back into school. But, you know, that that was some hard knock stuff. You know, I was yeah. afraid of heights and we'd be 20 feet up in the air, reciting a house. And oh, we finished man, basements. We built additions. We built a tri-level cedar deck, 100 degrees out for a week, just dehydrated. And it, manual hard work, you know what I mean? Um, I loved it. Like, I love being outside. I love working hard. But, man, that's it's, it's some hard. Tough life, yeah. Tough. <laughs> it's, it's tough life. It, it really is. So um, that drove me back to school. I think his plan worked. And yeah. I, I worked with him for a year and I saved up a couple bucks. I got my own apartment. Uh, I went back to school and uh, somebody I was seeing at the time, you know, she was like, Hey, you know, what about communications? And I'm like, is there calculus? No. <laughs> is there programming? No. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> Sold. And that's how I was making my decisions in my life. Like, all right, if, if it doesn't have calculus or programming, I, you know, I, I can do it. Um, but it was a good program. It was a journalism advertising thing. And I'm, I'm really glad I did it. But I, so anyway, I waited tables all through college. And, and that was, you know, waiting tables is a good job sometimes. But you're working nights. You're working weekends. You're working holidays. Now, I'm working Mother's Day. I'm working Christmas. I'm working New Year's. Like, it kind of, I work Saturday nights, Sunday doubles. So my weekends were just nothing but work. I could go in on a Tuesday and make 14 bucks all night. And, like, that just sucked. 
And I needed wow. that for like college and stuff. So, you know, my, my first day, my first day waiting tables at, at dinner, you start out breakfast cause you don't know anything. They kind of work you up to dinner. Dinner's like the main show. And it was a nice place. Mm-hmm. We wore tuxedos, but my first, my first night at dinner, I go up to this table and, and I'd bring them waters and, you know, some warmed bread basket and, and, you know, take a drink order. So I bring the bread basket and these two old ladies, she opens the bread basket. She looks at me. She says, this bread's stale and throws it at me. (laughs) (laughs) Now this is like a metal, heavy metal thing that the bread stuff sits in. And she like wung it at me and, you know, so (laughs) feeding, feeding, this was day one. So feeding people is a very difficult job, but again, I, I didn't have any other skills. You know, you can wait tables or 10 bar and make a pretty decent living, at least pre-COVID before everything got crazy. And, and um, but anyway, I, I, I worked my way through college. I worked in marketing. I was a nurse recruiter, which was awful. Um, I was a used a car. Nurse, a nurse recruiter? So you know how we have technical recruiters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a friend of mine, she's like, hey, I'm working at this place. We recruit nurses. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, there's a national nursing shortage. We're, we're a staffing firm, basically. So it was so dirty. What they would do, I was, des- I, I was in desperate need for a job at the time. I graduated college. I got a job. It was right around 9-11. The economy collapsed. After six months of my first job, I got laid off. I wasn't working. I had bills. I I was desperate for something and and struggling. And she's like, hey, you know, come to this place. And they were basically sales guys. But what we would do, and it was awful, and I got out of there as soon as I could, but they would walk into like a nursing home into the front door and talk to the administrators and say, hey, we're so-and-so, and and we're here to help you with your shortage. We have, you know... it's a sales thing. You know, we have a database of 30,000 and we want to help you and blah, blah, blah. And, and then on our way out, we'd walk out the back of the building and we'd start talking to their career nurses that had been there 10, 20, 30 years. And we're like, hey, listen, are you happy here? Eh, not really. And well, would you like to make 50% more? And so we'd go in the front door saying we're here to help you and then recruit their people out the back door. Oh my gosh. Sales, dude. So dirty. Wow. So that was a job that was sucking the soul out of me and I wasn't making any money. I was driving this crappy red Ford Tempo with the paint peeling off. Everybody there had like BMWs and Mercedes. I mean, it was just sometimes in your life, you're just like, this can't be it. (laughs) I mean, like it was just, I think this was one of those jobs that I was like, I have to figure out what I'm going to do with my life because this, my soul is now being sucked out of my body because I'm, this is not. It was dirty money. I felt like it just, yeah. you know, and I really, I, I, I really wasn't making much. Um, so, you know, I obviously pivoted from nurse recruiter to use car salesman because that's got to be better. <laughs> but, well, I mean, based on what you were saying about the nurse recruiter, it sounds like the same thing. I was making 30 grand a year as a nurse recruiter and my buddy was selling cars and he's like, listen, man, we're, you know, you can come over here and double that. <laughs> Sweet. I, so, I'm in like, I'm broke, you know, let's, let's do it. And, you know, I was good at selling cars, but I can tell you that the, I don't want to say the better liar you are, the more money you make, because there's different types of lies, but it's almost like lies of omission. Like, so one quick story, the cheapest car we had was 7,000 bucks and it was a, it was a Plymouth neon. Now these things would not start and they were only a couple Mm. years old. These were all off lease cars. So like a two year old car with a brand new battery and it wouldn't start. Wow. So a kid comes in, I'm generally selling like Lexus and you know, our mid, our median was like a $35,000 car. So a kid comes in and he can't afford that. And I know he can't. And I know the only car he can afford is this piece of crap car that isn't going to start. So like, he'd be like, hey, I saw this neon online. So I'd be like, oh, I think it's in the back. Let me check. While well, I run to get the jump box, ha- tell somebody to distract them so I can go jumpstart the thing just to get it running. <laughs> he takes his test drive and then he's like, oh, I'll be back with my dad. Same thing. Like his dad comes back. I'm like, all right, I got to go jump it while they're not looking. And so yeah. 
just, you know, that weighs on you after a while. Like, yeah. It just, yeah. you know, it's, and these people trust me. The whole job is to get them to like you and trust you in sales. Right. That's why I like to bust Aaron a little bit. I know he's not in that <laughs> type of sales, but like yeah. used yeah. car sales is the dirtiest sales there are, I think. And it was just a lot of omitting stuff. Like, you know, so that was another soul sucking job. It was just a couple of years of like, uh, and you're working all the time. And yeah. that, that was a really, but I started to get in this point in my life where I'm getting older and all my friends are graduating college and getting good jobs and getting married and starting families. And I was just stuck. Like, yeah, I can't seem to get a good job. And, and at this point I was a college graduate, but you know, bachelor's in communications without any internships, it's, it's worthless. It's like an English degree. Like, Oh, great. You know, English, what value, <laughs> you know, back to Cal Newport, right. like learn something hard. That's a value. Like I know English, I know communications. What does that mean? Who's going to pay you for that? So yeah. I picked an easy major and, and I paid the price, you know, in the years following graduation. Um, so through a couple series of life events that would probably be too embarrassing and more than I, I'd, I'd want to get into, um, <laughs> I, I lost. Well, let me see. You got. <laughs> All right. So I got fired from the used car job. Okay. All right. It's, it's the only job I ever got fired from. And so, you know. I feel like I have a decent reputation in the community and, and, I, and I've earned that. But as a younger man, I'll just say I was a different version of me. Um, <laughs> oh, dude, we, we all were. Man. Well, like, right. I had so, nothing like I was as a young yeah, guy. You know, uh, like that's... I was, you know, I was in my, somewhere in my 20s and I was, I was a bit of a, you know, I don't know. I wasn't all that centered. I'll try to think of a nice way to put this. So when my employer hears this, they won't think I'm a lunatic. But <laughs> what, 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 what happened was I worked there for a couple of years. It's a hard job. I broke a sales record there. Three months in, I sold 36 cars in a month. Wow. It had never been done. At the end of the month, my boss comes to me and says, well, maybe next month we'll hit 40 and walks away from me. Like, it was never enough. I just broke a record. Wow. Nobody had ever sold 36 cars in that store. It was a new store. So it was just, you know, it was just never enough. And no matter how hard you worked, it didn't matter. Like, it just, that culture just kind of made me a yeah. version of myself I didn't like. You know what I yeah. mean? I was just mad. Yeah. So I go on vacation. I go away for a week to Mexico with somebody. When I get back, they're like, "Yeah, it, it, it was it was it was pretty nice and calm while you were gone. So we're we're gonna have to go ahead and ask <laughs> ask you to to just pack up your stuff and <laughs> you know because I was I was unhappy. Like I was unhappy and I just couldn't hide it anymore. And I didn't feel like it was a really great culture. You know, yeah. Maybe there's people who can be abused and be okay with it, but yeah. I was verbal, like I didn't like what was happening and I was working really hard for them and we weren't making all that much. And it just, I don't know what, you know, it, it wasn't a good fit in the beginning. It's like, Hey, I'm making more after a year or two. Like, man, this really sucks. And yeah. I'm, I'm tired of lying to people and they're not paying me enough to lie to this many people. So yeah. I, I got fired from that job and that was kind of a pivot point. There's another one coming up and I know we're getting toward the end, so I'll, I'll, I'll speed it up and wrap it up. But, you know, getting fired from that job kind of made me stop and look and like, wow, the past, like, six jobs I've had have been real crap jobs and none of them have been fulfilling. And my life's really not going the way I would like it to. All my friends are graduating school and getting these good jobs and, and moving on with their life. And here I am stuck. Like I'm in my mid twenties and I just, I can't seem to, to, you know, to get it right and to at least get my career off the ground. So, um, long story short, uh, I love the technical stuff and I couldn't, 
get there through college. I thought you had to be a computer. We've talked about this. I, I thought yeah, you had yeah. to be a computer science major, and yeah. I just couldn't hack it. So that's that wasn't that's the lie that we were told, right? Like yeah, everyone just, oh, you got to go to college if you want to make it anywhere, do anything, you know, build a life for yourself. You got to go to college. And I'm not knocking college, and I'm going to push no, no, my no. kids toward no. it. But but yeah, like I, I bought into it, and I listened to it, and I gave up. You know, I could have had a fifty thousand dollar job at eighteen at Bell Telephone, and here I am. Almost 10 years later, barely making 50 grand, selling my soul, hating my life. Like I would have been over six figures by then if I went to Bell. So yeah, yeah. It, it just, so I wanted to get back into tech. My, my life kind of was a, a bit of a mess. It was just, you know, and I, I always loved that stuff. And there was this Verizon job at a central office and I just blindly applied. I'm like, you know what? It's tech. My mom used to work for Verizon. So I, I just, mm-hmm. I applied. It was a summer hire. It lasted about a year. It, it, it was great. My my best friend, Zach, who was the best man at my wedding, you know, I met there and just, it was little fortuitous things, you know, th- throughout your life. Like, but that got me back into tech and the stuff we were doing. It wasn't all that complicated, but I was, I was in tech and I was, you know, working on circuits and running lines and dealing with techs calling in and, and that kind of so then I, w- I knew this was a temporary job. So then I, I applied to Comcast and I'm like, well, I, you know, maybe I could be a tech there and a, and a cable guy. And I got that job and that's it. So I finally got into tech and I started mm-hmm. to like build my career. Um, the, the second pivot point was I got hurt about four years in as, as a cable guy. You're climbing ladders all day. You're drilling yeah. through concrete. Like you could go to a job and have to grill, drill through concrete walls like 10 times in a job. You got to, you know, run the lines through all the different. Wow. And that was like every day. So you're just drilling concrete day after day, carrying ladders. Like it's just, it's a very, very physical job. I'm grateful for it. And I can't say anything bad about it. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that job. Right. But it was almost like working with my dad. It was very physical. We weren't treated all that great. Nobody liked you showing up at, you know, your company, you know. Um, so, so I got hurt at the job and, and I went out on workers comp and long story short, they, they send you to their company doc and I go there and he see my hand is physically swollen. He's taking x-rays. He's like, oh, wow, you're, you're messed up. You know, he's like, all right, we're, we're going to get you better. So I'm in physical therapy, like three, four days a week, whatever. And a couple of weeks go by and my hand's still killing me, but the swelling's starting to come down. And one day this doctor, he calls me into his office and he goes, okay, tomorrow you're going back to work. I'm like, you, you said I'd be like months until I'd be, he's like, well, you're all better now. I'm like, but I, I can't, you know, I, I can't hold anything without shooting pains, you know, going up my arm and my hands killing me. And he says, well, you're all better. I've decided you're going back to work. Whoa. I said, well, well, doc, th- something changed about him. Like he was affable and nice and we had a relationship. I, 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 it almost seemed like shark eyes. Like he just, his eyes changed and he just went into like some different mode. The company's paying him. Yeah. And they all have yeah. a vested interest to get me back to work as soon as possible. They're not looking to just pay me to not work. You know what I yeah. mean? So unfortunately, a- as a laborer, and a big company who you're just a number at. They're like, well, you know, you've been out two weeks, you're all better now. And the doctor decided that. So, so this is really the pivot point I had. I said, well, I, I park in busy roads for my job. I have to park in a busy road, put cones up, try not to get run over by cars. Then I have to climb ladders with all this gear so that, and not get electrocuted so that I can plug into the taps and check levels and stuff. I said, I need both hands because you're supposed to use both hands when you're ascending a ladder, or descending oh, yeah. a ladder. Yeah. He looks at me and says, well, kid, you better learn how to do your job with one hand straight. Wow. Right. So to me, that was like, okay, this company does not care about me. I am just a number. And they're telling me that they don't care that this, you know, all the physicalness of this job over time has screwed me up. They're like, well, you're going back to work, dude. So, um, right around that time, I also met my now wife. So, okay. 
I'm at right. a company that I know could care less about me telling me to climb 30 feet in the air one-handed, which is illegal per OSHA, but that's not what the show's about. <laughs> um, so, you know, they, they don't care. I'm on my own here. And I, I met my, my wife. And, you know, there's those people that are in your path that you meet, and it's kind of fortuitous afterwards. So there was a lineman at, at Comcast, uh, Ricky, and I, you know, I love the tech. And I'm talking to him, and he was smart. And, you know, he, the lineman knew more than we did because they're working out on the plant. And he's like, man, you ought to look into the CCNA, man. Like, it's it's a really cool program. And, you know, we're putting devices on a network, and there's people, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So yeah. he he kind of put that bug in my ear. And then this whole, you know, injury thing happened. And then when I got back from being out hurt, my buddy Randy, who I got hired with as a cable guy, he was actually in the Cisco Neticad. And he invited me to the class, and I sat in. And, that you know, and, and the rest is kind of history. And, and, you know, we've talked about the rest ad nauseum. But, you know, for me, I've had a lot of crappy jobs. I learned that. A lot of companies don't really care about you. You're just the number. You're there to do a job. And, yeah. you know, they, they could replace me as a cable guy, for instance, they could replace me. There's hundreds of people, if not more, that would love my job. Yeah. And if I can't do it, they'll find somebody else. Um, I don't work in that environment today. I, I have I have a specialized skill set. I have something that not anybody can do. They can't bring mm -hmm. somebody in, train them for a couple of weeks and have them climb poles as an example. Right. Um, right. So, you know, per that Cal Newport kind of advice. Um, you know, and, and to be honest with you, AJ, like I think of these jobs, there's days that I, I'm not having a great day and I'm frustrated and yeah. I just, I'm like, God, I can't stand this. And then I try to remember like, oh yeah, one of the jobs I didn't discuss and I know we're getting done, so we'll wrap up. But one of my jobs between Verizon and Comcast, Comcast took forever to get back to me. Their hiring process was slower. So the Verizon job ended, I needed a job. And I found this thing on Craigslist, $11 an hour, drive a truck. I'm like, all right, man, I got a license. I can drive a truck. Sure. What they failed to tell you was you were going to drive from restaurant to restaurant cleaning grease traps. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Now, a grease trap, if you don't know, is this big metal thing that is under the big triple stainless steel sinks at a restaurant. Yep. And all the greasy utensils and appliances that they clean, if you didn't have the special thing called a grease trap to trap the grease it would go out into the sewer mains and clog right. the whole city up because that oh, yeah. used to happen. So yeah. it's this box and we go out maybe every four to six weeks. So you'd open the top of this and it's a moist environment because there's sink water flowing through there constantly. And there's, you know, 15 pounds of accumulated grease that's been sitting in water for six weeks. Oh, this the smell isn't something you forget. Oh, man. So I did that for a couple months while I waited for, because, you know, I'll do anything. If I lose my job today and can't get another engineering job, yeah. I'll go down to Wawa, I'll cut lunch meat. Like, I'm going to provide yeah. for my people, you know? So Yeah, I hear you. I'm the same way. Yeah, I needed a job and cleaning grease traps, man. And, and I'll tell you, that was a pretty nasty job, but I was working. People who tell me they can't find a job now, I get it. COVID, maybe this doesn't apply. Pre-COVID, I've had so many people throughout my life, oh, I can't find a job. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, I guarantee you, you can go clean grease traps for eleven dollars an hour because yeah. nobody wants to order you know, pizza. Go get go you get know, a job. You, know? you might not be manager or CEO of a company, but you can go find a job. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so the the worst the worst thing that happened to me in that grease trap company, and then we'll wrap it up, I guess, is um. So we also did some light plumbing work. <laughs> oh boy. And I got sent to a friendly's restaurant for a call on a clogged urinal in the men's room. <laughs> so here I am trying to get my life together. All my jobs have stunk. I'm waiting to hear from Comcast. I'm like, this is my life, I guess. I'm walking into the bathroom and I got I got like the snake and you know, there's like the metal pole with the snake and then the thing you spin at the top. So yep, yep. I put the one end of the snake in the urinal. Yeah, I go to flush it and it's clogged. 
So I put it in and I start spinning the top. I don't know anything about plumbing. They just, hey kid, go, you know. Yeah, go snake so, I, so I start to spin it on the top. And the, as you know, the metal now starts to bind up because it's not, whatever I did was wrong, but the, the thing at the end that was down in the dirty water, all of a sudden just like caught and spun and sprayed oh. <laughs> dirty oh, no. foreign pea water from this friendly, all over me, including oh. my face. I wore glasses oh at the time, pee dripping off my glasses. So yeah, I, I've had, when I think that I don't like my job today, I usually think of my grease trap cleaning job and yeah. the day that I got spattered with what I got spattered with. And I thought, well, yeah. it could be a whole lot worse. My life's pretty good. I should be grateful for, you know, when I compare myself to somebody who's like kicking butt and they're working for wherever and they're like, you know, super architect guy or Cisco or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could do that. I compare myself to myself and I'm like, you know what? I've had some really bad jobs and I'm on top of the mountain now. I have yeah. no reason to complain. It's, it's hard to keep that perspective, but I think if you've had a tough paper route coming up, it, it, that pain's a little closer, you know, like, oh yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm really glad that I'm not, you know, climbing poles with one hand or cleaning grease traps or getting foreign PP sprayed in my face. It, it, and you know what? Like, I, I think that that's, that's a really good message right there. Like you might have a crappy job right now, but Every single thing that you have been through contributes to who you are and, and why you do what you do, you know? And so it's a crappy job today, but it's it's like, it's the, the kick in the butt you need to do what you're going to do tomorrow. And it's like that butterfly effect thing. Like you have, oh, no yeah. you have no idea what you're doing now. And when I look back, you can only get perspective looking backwards and you can't see tomorrow and you can't see around that next corner, right? But I don't know what would have happened if I didn't take that grease trap job. And I don't know. I might've found something else and it wouldn't have been con like if I made any different decisions and I wish I'd made a few different decisions, but <laughs> if I made any different decisions, like I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't right. have my kids. I wouldn't be a network engineer at this company doing a job that I'm just amazed that they let me do. Like, so for me, I almost had to go through all that pain and yeah. suffering and nonsense because that's how it works. If right. that wasn't my path, I wouldn't have met you. We wouldn't, I mean, just none of this would exist. So it's, right. it's, if you're in that crappy job and you're studying for that cert and you're trying to climb up out of where you're at, you know, if, I don't know, I, it's probably overused, but like, if I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm, I'm not all that bright as much as my family <laughs> wanted to tell me how smart I was. You know, you, you give me a hard math problem or any computer science, you know, programming problem and I'm just a hot mess, but you know, you, you can get there. It's just, yeah. you, you got to hang in there and know that you're going to look back and be like, wow. You know, if your job yeah. is worse than getting foreign peace sprayed on you, then maybe you do have it worse than me. Like, you know I mean? <laughs> but I have yet to I, talk to anybody who's had a worse job of that. And, and if somebody yeah. like me who got paid to do something as awful as that can do it, you know, I think anybody listening here can, you know, someday look back at their laundry list of crappy jobs and be like, wow. It all brought me to where I am today, and, and today is yep. awesome. So, yeah, you know, you'll get there. Awesome, yeah. absolutely. So, I guess I'm supposed to wrap this up. This is my first like trying to host here. So, uh, dude, well, you're, you're what, killing it, man. You're well, killing what do, it. I love what do it. we What do we do here? I'm I'm out of gas after the PP story. <laughs> <laughs> 
no i i mean i i think that's i think that's a good note to end on right let like the crappy job you got to use that stuff for motivation like it can't just all be anger and frustration like use it you know use that to fuel your next move you know like like you know you you hurt your hand and getting told that news by by the doctor and everything and then you start talking to people about the ccna and that that's what fueled you to make your next your next move because you want it better for your life you know Pain is the greatest motivator, at least in my, maybe there's people out there that do it differently and better, but you know, I heard somebody say, or I don't know if I read it, but like there is, there is no comfort in evolution. You have to be uncomfortable. You have to struggle. You, it has to hurt, you know, to, 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 to get better. Um, Right. So yeah, it's, it's all, it's, it's all for the good, but it it stinks going through it, you know, at the time, but look at us. We've had some pretty crappy jobs and here we are and people actually care what we're talking about and they want to, they want to listen to us. If we can do it, you can do it. Exactly. Don't forget that. <laughs> awesome. All right. So I don't know how to end it. Do you want to, how do we do, you know, how do we end the podcast? <laughs> hey man, I, I think it's just, I think you did a great job. Thank you for sharing your story. I know I've learned a lot more about you as a person and, uh, and just, you know, knowing more of your background, uh, you've definitely been through some incredible stuff. So I appreciate you sharing your story with, with me and, uh, with our listeners and, I look forward to learning more about you in the future for sure. <laughs> Hopefully my employer doesn't hear this and fire me soon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Eric, if you're listening, I'm a good guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess we thank everybody for listening. It's been great. We'll have stuff in the show notes. Um, if you're studying for a cert and you want some support, we have the It's All About the Journey Discord uh, server. Join I think us. we're up to like, I don't know, 900 and something members now, which is uh, insane, I, I was right? just looking before we started recording the show. We are at uh, 946, almost uh, almost to 1,000. Which is incredible. You can hop on yeah. there. It's free. Everybody is is in there you know, helping each other out. Yeah. Which is We got some active study groups. I know we got a CCNA study group on Thursdays, Encore. I think started or is starting soon. Um, we got a hundred days of code going. Uh, lots of people doing a uh, hundred days of code and there's people in, in various parts of it. I think a lot of people started on January 1st, but there, there's people all over the place. So don't feel like, you know, you missed the boat or whatever. Just, just jump in, just jump in. Yeah. I'm in a hundred um, days of cloud right now. If you got any AWS questions that are very simple and basic, cause that's where I'm at in my <laughs> studies, please reach out. I, I can tell you what an acronym means at this point, but uh, yeah, gotta man. start somewhere. Join, join the community, get involved. Um, thanks for listening. Subscribe to us, right? All that good stuff. Absolutely. And as Mr. Aaron says, see ya. Hey, everyone. This is AJ. If you like what you heard today, then make sure you subscribe to our podcast and your favorite podcatcher. Smash that bell icon to get notified of all of our future episodes. Also, Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Art of Net Eng. That's Art of N E T E N G. You can also find us on the web at artofnetworkengineering.com, where we post all of our show notes. You can read blog articles from the co hosts and guests, and also a lot more news and info from the networking world. Thanks for listening. <laughs>